Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Good afternoon and welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for being with us. And you know what? I open about every show saying those words, but I want you to know, I really mean it, man. Thank you so much for tuning in. And whether you listen to our show here on Saturdays or catch one of our uh, encore presentations on Sundays, which, by the way, those happen from 7 to 8 a.m. or from 8 to 9, I'm sorry, 8 to 9 a.m. on Sunday and 7 to 8 p.m. on Sunday. So if you miss our show here on Saturdays, you can catch us one of those times as well. Hey, we've got a, a great show for you today. Uh, I certainly wish it was not the topic we were talking about, to be quite honest with you. But uh, we're going to delve into what you may have heard about uh, recently with a uh, bill that's been introduced about trophy hunting, prohibit trophy hunting. So we'll get in with that. But my fill-in co-host in studio, Will Marquardt, owner of Davis Tent. Thank you, hey. sir. Hey, Scott. Good to be here. I told Kevin Flesh. You know Kevin. I, yeah. Will's going to fill in for you tomorrow. So. <laughs> Kevin and I grew up in the same hometown. I know. That was so cool when y'all <laughs> met at ISC, I think, yeah, and yeah. started talking. Yeah. He's such a young guy that I didn't know him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. For sure. <laughs> and uh, before we get out to the end of the show, uh, we're going to circle back around to Davis Tent, and Will tell us what's going on there. But... Introduce that kind of our special panel, I guess I'll call it, Dan Gates. Um, and most of you know Dan. Uh, he is with the Colorado Trapper and Predator Hunter Association, Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management, and so many other organizations Dan works with. We only have an hour show. I couldn't mention them all. But, Dan, first of all, welcome. How are you, sir? Thank you very much, Scott. Appreciate it. And uh, hello to you and Will both. Hey, thanks so much, man. Hey, Dan. All right, and also Luke Weedle is with us, and Luke is the Vice Chair of Corporate Relations for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. So, Luke, thanks for being with us as well, sir. Yeah, thank you, Scott. It's good to be here again. All right, Dan, I tell you what, I'm just going to let you kind of kick this off. Um, you know, you, you and I were talking, you know, several days ago, and unfortunately I was out of town. I was trying to get you on last week, but... Um, <laughs> There's a lot of organizations out there in what I'll just say our community. Um, and then when something happens, they may, quote, report on it or start telling the public, here's what you need to do. And sometimes all those um, facts that they are putting in their post or, or their uh, challenge for all of us are not quite all true. So I'm not going to go after anybody today on that. I just want to say, hey. We just need to know the truth for our listeners here on Sportsman of Colorado Radio. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that, Scott. And and uh, for those that don't know, uh, the Coloradoans for Responsible Wildlife Management uh, was formulated back in 2017 as a 501c4, which allows us to engage in, in political advocacy pertaining to our specific mission, which is to enhance, promote, and defend the North American model of wildlife conservation and responsible wildlife management. Now, that being said, we are partners and collaborate and coalesce our alliances with many of the other acronym organizations, like the one that Luke is representing today with the RMEF and, and other groups, the National Wild Turkey Federation, Mule Deer Foundation, Muley Fanatics, and, and there again, to like what you said, there'd be too many to list within an hour. 
But most of those groups are 501c3s. They're charitable organizations that do a lot of a lot of good on the landscape and habitat and for, for conservation efforts. But they weren't structured when they were set up 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago to actually provide a fight. The fight wasn't near as imperative at that point to be able to engage in it then is what it is now. And while, while some of them are trying to restructure a component or an addition to their 501c3 status, they're kind of hampered and limited by the tax code and what they're allowed to do and engage in. Now, they could still, they could still engage in things that are directly related to their mission, mm-hmm. but they can't advocate on things on a broad scale. And so when we formulated our organization, we did it to... to First and foremost, to have legitimate relevancy on the Colorado landscape and representation of the Colorado State Capitol, which we've accomplished. We started an education campaign, which we've accomplished. On four different occasions from 2019 until 2022, we were successful in formulating another co- a coalition called the Colorado Wildlife Conservation Project, and we thwarted the efforts of the Humane Society of the United States, Wild Earth Guardians, and some other anti-hunting groups in 2019, 20, and 21 at the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission, and at 2022, February 3rd of 22, with Senate Bill 31 at the Colorado Capitol. All of those groups joined in to help support those causes, and we were successful in defeating the measures that now we're having to deal with again, but only in a ballot initiative process, which will then go to the voters of Colorado if they get the appropriate signatures and they go through the proper protocols and procedures between now and through the title board process and the Secretary of State. So this ballot uh, initiative this ballot initiative puts it in a different realm, so to speak. Oh yes, sir. Yeah. It 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 goes from it goes from educated decision makers like the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission and the Colorado State Legislature of elected officials into the general public, which everybody has a concern about something, but not everybody knows the specifics or the nuances or the caveats to managing wildlife and natural resources. And so the reason that I think that we have Colorado Parks and Wildlife, for an example, 900 employees with 300 biologists and scientists, is to manage our wildlife appropriately. And while everybody might have an opinion, emotions actually drive a lot of opinions, and science does not confuse those issues, but mm-hmm. opinions and emotions sometimes do. And as soon as you start doing the coined phrase of ballot box biology, leaving wildlife management up to the general public, sometimes those emotions skew the opportunity for people to make rational decisions and educated, informed decisions that are benefiting not only the wildlife and the natural resources and the habitat, but Colorado as a whole for its visitors and and residents alike. Right. So let me ask you this. Why is it not simple enough for our our biologists and scientists, whatever, with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, why don't they just go and give all the reasons that this would be a bad thing to happen? Well, that's a, a confusing question that a lot of people ask. And when a state agency works at the pleasure of a, a particular administration, uh, I won't say they are gag-ordered, but it's, it's pretty much common knowledge that, that they are directed on what to say and what to do and how to say it even though the science and the facts and the data might substantiate one side or the other, they're not supposed to engage in things that are of, of contentious uh, activities, such as you know ballot, ballot-driven issues, uh, legislative issues, 
Now they do they do chime in when it comes into the parks and wildlife side, but as I mentioned before, with us defeating those measures at different levels, the opposition or the proponents of Initiative 91, which is the trophy hunting ban that you talk about, um, the, the proponents didn't like the outcome, and they looked at ulterior me- alternative measures to try to get an ul- ulterior agenda accomplished. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, the agency itself will be bound to some degree, uh, particularly by this gubernatorial administration that has not proven to be very friendly to sportsmen or the agricultural industry uh, alike. Dan, haven't they had gag orders in the past? Yes. So not necessarily here or not necessarily time when something like that would happen, but there have been times when the governor or the administration has said, you can't talk about this. That's pretty much been the, the thing, Will, and I appreciate the question, because back in 2022 at Senate Bill 31, there were CPW and DNR staff that was actually sitting in the Senate Ag Committee room, and the, the Senate Ag Committee asked why there was no comment, and there was no comment to provide for no comment. <laughs> and it was direction that was actually given from the Department of Natural Resources or the or the governor himself. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, is if you have science and you have studies and you have peer reviewed data and you've got managers that have been in place for specific reasons of management goals and models and objectives throughout the state on thirteen or fourteen big game animals and 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 eighty classified game animals and nine hundred and sixty species of wildlife. I would just assume, particularly myself, leave that up to the experts. And nothing against the florist or a gas station attendant or somebody that delivers for UPS. I don't think they have the knowledge and the wherewithal to turn around and make the decisions on the landscape, nor do I. I have more of, a, of an inside knowledge than, than some and most because of my background, my livelihood, the, the institutional knowledge. But mine's anecdotal. I don't have the science degrees and I don't have the backing but we all have opinions, and I would just as soon leave it up to the experts to make those science-based decisions. Dan, another question about this uh, upcoming uh, potential ballot issue. So when I read it, I'm reading about big cats, but I'm also reading, I don't know, at least three times in this statement, trophy hunting, trophy hunting, trophy hunting. Can you just kind of yeah. give us some background or layout here of what the initiative is and why they're, why trophy hunting is such a big part of this statement. I think, honestly, Will, and I appreciate that question, too, because that's that's been the nexus of our opposition's uh, attack and assault because they want to coin phrases. Uh, they want to they take things and use it for their benefit. Trophy hunting, in this particular language of Initiative 91, it specifically talks at the top about prohibit trophy hunting. But then when they when they actually define trophy hunting, it means intentionally killing, wounding, or entrapping a mountain lion, bobcat, or lynx. And I will say, since I said lynx in the language, lynx are federally protected and cannot be harvested in any way, shape, or form within the state of Colorado and most of all the lower 48 states. The component of what they've alluded to as trophy hunting is their definition of hunting. When it says specifically intentionally killing, that's hunting. There's no definition of trophy, but the trophy is actually a, a flamboyant word that they can utilize for their cause. Uh, they've chosen to use that in this specific language, and um, while it's false, it's misleading. Uh, there's no there's no component of definition for trophy hunting, and I would just sell, say this, guys, and I think Luke would agree. If he takes his daughters out 
and they harvest a rabbit during rabbit season, that might be a trophy to that young woman. If somebody goes out and harvests a 14-inch rainbow trout for the first time on a fly rod, that might be a trophy. But if you look at what the opposition has alluded to over the course of the last 10, 15, 20 years to try to get this narrative set, they've said on a hot mic that if you take a picture of something and put it on your wall, that's a trophy. There was an op-ed that was done yesterday in the Colorado Sun by a gal by the name of Tris Zornio, and the headline of that specifically says, why are sheep and bear, bighorn sheep and bear and mountain lions being trophy hunted? Now, this particular initiative addresses mountain lions, bobcats, and the illusion of lynx. And it's but automatically, <laughs> she throws it. It's a start. She throws in bears and bighorn sheep, and she doesn't even have anything to do with this ballot initiative. It's not about trophy hunting. It's about hunting. It's about all forms of hunting. It's about all methods of take. It's about all species, all seasons, all classifications of animals, and all classifications of people. Right. So, Luke uh, Weedle, as I mentioned, is with us. And um, once again, Vice Chair of Corporate Relations for Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. So, Luke, kind of tell us what, what that role means to you and then um, give you the floor, so to speak, here a few minutes. Yeah, sure. Um, I am a volunteer with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and specifically uh, the Denver Denver Metro chapter. And so on, on that chapter, within that chapter, I serve as a uh, um, you know, we do banquet planning and, and various other things, but I've also taken on uh, throughout the last, I guess, over the past five years, um, more responsibilities as statewide volunteer, kind of um, from a legislative uh, perspective or in the context of the, of the, um, during the, during the general assembly, uh, legislative sessions in the spring uh, have taken on the role of um, volunteering for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And so I have kind of pay attention to some of the issues that are going on. I also, uh, represent RMEF on some uh, CPW working groups, that sort of thing, um, as well as the CWCP, the Colorado Wildlife Conservation Project. Um, and so that's what I do. Um, I'm heavily involved and uh, work with RMEF um, in collaboration with, with Dan's organization, CRWM. Uh, you know, one, one thing when you guys talk about trophy hunting, I think is interesting. I've read um, some polling data uh, and the proponents of this ballot initiative know, know this information, but when you talk, when you ask the general public, and this is a cross-section of, of people who generally do not hunt, remember we're probably 5% of the population or less, depending on where you are, but when you ask the general public how they feel about the social acceptability uh, or whether or not they approve of hunting for food, as long as you keep that word in there, food, th the approval ratings are huge. They're like in the 70s, mid-70%, um, as soon as you insert the question trophy or, or insert trophy into that question or trophy hunting, whatever it means, uh, you know, the, the approval ratings go way, way down. I mean, I think I read, and don't quote me on this, but, but uh, into the 30% approval rating. So, you know, a substantial drop is the point. And so the proponents of the ballot initiative know this, and if you read the language, at least as it stands now, and of course it hasn't gone through all of the um, process of being approved and signatures, and and uh, we'll know all that in the uh, late summer, early fall of 2024. Um, but we do know that it will be on the ballot. And so, but back to the language um, surrounding trophy hunting, you know, it's misleading. So, so the language attempts to divide hunters, 
Um, it attempts to divide the general public and mislead the general public. And the word trophy hunting, I mean, it's not even really um, what we think of or what they would have, what the proponents of these sorts of things would have the general public think trophy hunting in is, doesn't really exist. Now, that word is not, you know, it's not, it's not um, prohibited by statute, but that's because there's no, uh, there's no real definition of what trophy hunting is, as, as Dan just explained. But what they would have the general public believe it is, is that when I have a Euro mount of my daughter's elk on the wall or, or the first elk I killed when I was 14, they would call that a trophy. Uh, but the point is that sort of language and that terminology is used to uh, divide the general public and even hunters. In this case, you know, um, it's, it's, it's designed that way. So, so that's what I would say about that. Um, I think uh, one of the things to keep in mind uh, that I think is of utmost importance is that whatever this looks like, the language as it stands right now, if, if this ends up on the ballot, which it most certainly will in 2024 in one form or another, it stands to, to ban all forms of hunting, not with dogs, not with, uh, you know, not, not certain types of hunting, not just female lions or something like that. It, it, it stands to ban all Mountain, all forms it take, a mountain lion, bobcat, and a lynx, which is another misleading portion of the ballot, uh, the language as it stands now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, wherever the language attempts to mislead the general public, that's what it says, and that's what it will do. Um, and, you know, I, I think it might be somewhat important for Dan to just sort of outline the process of what it looks like. Um, at some point, Dan, or uh, Scott, I think that that's it's, it is a very confusing process, and there's a lot of rumors out there. No, it is, and and, and I mean we're going to spend the show on this pretty much. So I mean, Dan, you know, you, you, I want you to just take it because I want to lay out exactly you know what lay, what the challenge is before us, and then I want to make sure we tell people you know what to do. What can we do? <laughs> so so Scott. Um, if it's all right with you, and, and I don't know if you're up against the break or not. No, I'm, I'm going I'm to skip a couple. We're okay. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, so there's a section of the initiative that needs to be read to where your listeners can hear it for themselves so they don't have to just go look it up. But a, a very confusing and um, a concerning component of this is in Section 1, and it specifically says the voters of Colorado find and declare that any trophy hunting of mountain lions, bobcats, or lynx is any inhumane, serves no socially acceptable or ecologically beneficial purpose, and fails to further public safety. Trophy hunting is practiced primarily for the display of an animal's head, fur, or other body parts, rather than for the utilization of the meat. Moreover, it is almost always conducted by unsporting means, including, but not limited to, using packs of dogs with electronic devices to pursue and entrap affected animals in places from which they cannot escape in order to achieve the kill. Therefore, it is appropriate and necessary to ban trophy hunting of mountain lions, bobcats, and lynx in Colorado. And I think the driving force behind that statement is if you read into it and you dissect it, you can take any other game animal that we have in the state of Colorado and put it in place of mountain lions, bobcats, and lynx. Sure. And except for the packs of hounds, take the packs of hounds out and put upland waterfowl dogs or put upland bird dogs or put, put beagles in for, for rabbits or wh- whatever the case might be. You can place anything else on our landscape 
and utilize that for their argument on the next ballot initiative that they want to run or the next piece of legislation or the next citizen's petition that they bring before the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission. So, so hmm. the confusing part that we get into is where do we go from here to try to stop the lunacy of language like that to where we continue to maintain our wildlife management objectives under the North American model, and we also allow Colorado Parks and Wildlife to be the leaders of our wildlife management objectives and the hunters and anglers and trappers of the state to be able to continue to contribute into this process through the licensed buying practices that have been established for the last 125 years. Yesterday was the first meeting through the Legislative Council at the Capitol that the proponents got a chance to air their grievances or give their differences of opinions or listen to council discussion on how language would be appropriate for the voter to be able to decide when the time has come to make an appropriate decision that would not be misleading and that would be the most beneficial to the proponent to be able to accomplish their goals of banning all this stuff, including trophy hunting. The next step in the process will be probably, I think, October 18th, and that's the title board setting meeting that when we actually see the blue book come out and the language that voters will be able to see, there's a discussion from two weeks from now until the title board process is over about that final language and what the voter will actually be able to see, the question that the voter will get. There's an appeals process that we can engage in at multiple levels, and we'll see how some of that goes, but we have retained legal counsel and professional advocacy on our side through Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management to engage in the initial processes from now until whenever we have to go through the Secretary of State. And if we don't get the answers that we'd like or we don't get the things that we think are necessary to take off of the language for the question or to put into the language for the question, then we would likely proceed in trying to pursue the appeals process through the Supreme Court. Hmm. That might not happen until January or February. And in the meantime, the proponents can probably likely start gathering signatures which they will need 124,238 of, I believe. And they can get those signatures from anywhere in the state. There's not a statutory requirement that they have to come specifically percentage-wise from any particular district. But once they get the signatures collected, which they'll collect more than what they probably need, then they get need to get those signatures certified. This is a long, lengthy process that you go through that if most people haven't paid attention to ballot initiatives, whether it's whether it's a, a roads and bridges deal or a Tabor deal or an abortion thing or on taxes or whatever, this is what everybody goes through on every initiative. So it's not just it's not singular to what we're talking about here. Right. But it is a long, drawn-out, expensive process. Probably somewhere between April and July, you'll start to see an actual number or an initiative number come out. You remember during the Wolf deal, it was changed, I think, from Proposition, maybe it was 14 to 114, and, and this will probably likely have a different title number, and the title itself will likely change minimally, but we'll be able to figure out what sort of question is asked and how we start a, uh, a campaign defense component of this whole thing to try to defeat these measures. And that'll probably happen somewhere between April and July with a full-blown campaign from everybody on both sides of the aisle trying to accomplish this and trying to defeat it all the way up until the deadline of, of the voters, uh, I believe, on November 5th of 2024. Um, there's a lot of steps and hoops and hurdles that their side needs to go through, 
to cross their T's and dot their I's, and there's a lot of things that we need to do for checks and balances on our side. But I, I would like to say that, I mean, the coalition that Luke and I mentioned is coming together hard and fast. The Coloradoans for Responsible Wildlife Management is doing its due diligence to represent the community as best as what we can to start with. And uh, But it's going to take a, a full court press from the hunters and anglers who are interested in saving what we're talking about in the state of Colorado. So, Dan, one of the things that uh, I'm excited about is that we have this kind of uh, time frame ahead of us to uh, start to deal with this issue. It seems like the way the legislative process is when it goes through the legislator that things come up so quickly that it's last second, get down to the Capitol today, tomorrow, whatever it is. So it's really difficult to engage people that quickly. So that's that's exciting that we're engaged now. Uh, but really what it makes me wonder about is what does that mean to me? What does that mean to anybody that's interested in this issue from a hunting perspective? What can we start doing now that's going to matter? First and foremost, Will, um, I think... Uh, the number one thing that our community needs to realize is that, that our opposition is not only well-armed, they're well-funded, they're well-strategized, they hire the, the expert people to take care of their dirty work, their hired guns, and the first thing that we need to do is figure out a way to collectively organize our efforts monetarily and not be able to match what the other groups are doing but to try to exceed what the other groups are doing. If anybody pays attention to politics, it's not so much that money wins the game, but money wins the landscape to be able to promote the message and educate about the game. And I think mm-hmm. whether somebody can contribute $25 or $50, or maybe it's $10 a month, or maybe it's $500 or $5,000, they have to figure out, our side has to figure out, is it worth us to stand by and watch the train go by or do we want to pay the toll and get on it and be part of the, the solution to get to the destination and the end road that we need to get to and and so that's what the first thing that somebody can do and the second thing will more importantly down the road is continue to educate yourselves and your neighbors and your family and your co-workers about the benefits of all hunting and fishing prop Colorado Parks and Wildlife up because they won't be able to prop themselves up. They will be told, you stand down, make sure that you talk to your game warden and give him kudos. Talk to your biologist, give him kudos. Talk to the park ranger and give them kudos. These guys, they're just doing the yeoman's work of what they were hired to do because they were so so interested in doing what's right for our natural resources and wildlife management. Educate ourselves, incorporate ourselves into the landscape because I really believe that our state is not done, and I really believe that our state is not stupid, but there's a difference between stupid and, and ignorant or uneducated. And if our side would do some of that while the groups and the industry itself is trying to do the bulk of it, I think we can win this, and I think we can actually pull it off to where we are a better community for organized efforts for wildlife conservation and management in the state. Absolutely. You mentioned friends and neighbors uh, talking to people, and I, th- I think that's great. And I think I think when you're mentioning that, you're kind of thinking about especially non-hunters or people that 
might not be anti-hunting, but may... They just don't know. <laughs> may not know, right? <laughs> may, mis- may mistakenly uh, yeah. go after this. And it also makes me think, Dan, uh, what should we not be doing in this time right now? I mean, are there things that you would view that would harm the effort? Because I heard this on a podcast called the number one issue from a hunting perspective in the West coming at us. I mean, are there things that we could do to hurt the issue? Um, great question. I think just like with anything that we deal with, with bad publicity, there's whether it's a few bad apples or just a few dumb bastards out there that, that don't pay attention to what they're, they're trying to do or don't do, uh, social media can be our, our, our best friend and at the same time our worst enemy. Uh, we provide a service to all people in wildlife and natural resource management. And I'm not just talking about in Colorado, Will. I'm talking about across the nation and in Canada as well. Mm-hmm. We need to stand up and prop up the historical perspective of what we brought to the table. We have funded this as a community of hunters and anglers, hook and bullet crowd, whatever you want to call us. We have funded this. We have structured this. We have implemented this. We initiated this over 100 years ago. We should not be ashamed of it, but we don't need to turn around and abuse it or bastardize it either. We should pedestalize it for what it is, and it's the greatest model of wildlife management on the planet. And if we don't acknowledge that and we do anything other than that, then I think we're doing what's wrong. If we don't acknowledge the fact that our agencies and our associations are doing the yeoman's work of all the stuff on the landscape, then I think that we're doing what's wrong. And I think that no matter how much good is out there, there's a little bit of bad that can probably override it. But we can really, really push it up and up the bar, up our game, if we just educate ourselves a little bit. Talk about the mission of Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Talk about the North American model. If you don't know what the model is, figure it out. Learn about it. Educate yourself, because it's hard to talk to other people if you don't know what it is yourself. There's seven tenets of the model that we need to adhere to, and that's the very scope of things that these groups are trying to erode and degrade through this whole process because they mentioned trophy hunting. Trophy hunting is not anything other than a subjective or objective component of their attempt to try to take all of this away. Yep, absolutely. So I I would encourage encourage people to educate themselves and make sure that that if they hear fallacies or falsehoods, correct them. But if you're going to correct them, make sure that you have a little bit of of background and education to be able to do so. And uh, I, I think that I think that if we champion this effort, that we can actually pull this off. I mean, look how many people go downtown in Denver when the Abs win or the Nuggets win or the Broncos win, the, the, the you know, national championships or the Super Bowl or whatever. Mm-hmm. If we did that from a sportsman community and we advocated for the team, and Colorado Parks and Wildlife would be the team, that's who we need to stand behind. If we advocate for that, we're unbeatable. We're undeniable. 36,000 people go down to watch the Rockies every night, and they suck, man. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, half of them are the other team's fans. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to Sports from Colorado Radio, and we appreciate it. Dan Gates is with us, Luke Wheel, Will Marquardt, our good buddy from Davis Tent. We do have to hit a a quick break here, but, hey, um, this is brought to you by Peak Honda World, 5057 South Wadsworth. There are – a new sponsor with us and for us, and we are glad to be a part of it with them. So check out Peak Honda World. But right now through October 21st is um, 
their Bad to the Bone sales event. And uh, they've got a ton of stuff, and we're going to have them on next week and over these next several weeks, but up to $1,100 off on select Honda ATVs. And um, they've got upgraded uh, 2023 Honda Pioneer 1000 uh, six-seater there. Uh, includes uh, upgraded tires and rims, roof, windshield, mirrors, bumpers, and a lot of discounts on that. And uh, just a ton of events, up to $2,000 off of select Honda Pioneers. And uh, all this will culminate on the 21st. And uh, they're going to have a free lunch, just a big special day, a lot of great giveaways. So I hope you'll get by and see them and let them know you heard about them here on Sportsman of Colorado Radio. It's Peak Honda World. Get relief from Flesh and Beck Law. You just got in an accident, so you call the police. You make sure you get a thorough record of the scene. But after the initial adrenaline wears off, your mind starts to swirl with all the things you need to do. Insurance claims, car repairs, doctor visits, medical bills, on top of the physical pain you're in. Flesh and Beck will give you relief from the financial stress so that you can focus on healing. Call Flesh and Beck immediately after your accident for a free consultation. Then you can rest while they talk to your insurance company. Personal injury attorney Kevin Flesh will relieve your burden of financial worries. All you need to do is to call him right now at 303-806-8886. Call Kevin Flesh immediately after the accident and get relief from the financial stress of an injury. Flesh and Beck Law. They get results. Hi, folks. Ryan from Bighorn Firearms here. I'm inviting you to come visit us in our newly renovated showroom to come see what the Bighorn experience is all about. Our courteous, knowledgeable, and passionate staff is here waiting to guide you on your journey to the perfect firearm. Whether you are looking to purchase for target shooting, hunting, training, duty, collecting, or just purely to exercise that Second Amendment right, we're here and ready to help. Call now, 303-758-9423, or stop in today at 2175 South Jasmine Street, Suite 105, Denver, Colorado. Shop online, bighornusa.com, and use code SPORTSMAN23 for 10% off your entire order. Hey, Scott Watley here, wanting to introduce my friends over at Peak Honda World. They are Colorado's number one Honda Power Sports dealer for a reason. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and when it comes to Honda, they know their stuff. They are located in Littleton and have everything you need to take your hunting season to the next level. If you're looking for a durable four-wheeler, try the Honda Rancher or Rubicon. So go see my friends over at Peak Honda World in Littleton and tell them Scott Watley sent you. For your safety, read the owner's manual, wear a helmet and eye protection, always wear your seatbelt, and keep the side nets and doors closed. Honda side-by-sides are for drivers 16 years and older. KLZ 560 AM, your home station. Hey, welcome back to Sportsman Colorado Radio. Wilmore Court in studio with me, owner of Davis Tent. Hey, if you're in the market for a tent, Check them out, davistent.com, the best tent your money can buy right here in Denver. So get by and see them. If you're just joining us, we are talking about a ballot issue, uh, 91, uh, prohibit trophy hunting. And uh, just stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Listen to this next 20 minutes. All right? I promise you, you'll be better off for it and just to learn about what we're talking about. Dan Gates is with us and also Luke Weedle. Hey, Luke. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, question or two about rocky mountain elk foundation um as dan mentioned a whole bunch of acronym uh names out there (laughs) and uh but rmef really being the big one and one that you know sportsmen 
across the country count on to uh, help message uh, message what, what what's important to us. And so I'm interested in what you're hearing as far as how RMEF feels about this from a national perspective and what they might be able to do. And then also what what RMEF members like myself, uh, I'm a huge RMEF fan, how can uh, how should we be involved? How should we support uh, Dan and, and uh, the fight against this ballot initiative the best we can? Yeah, thanks for the question, Will. Um, you know, RMEF has so many of the other acronyms like NWTF and MDF and all, all of us that do great conservation work and, and have for the last many decades um, are C3s, 501C3s are nonprofits, and we do incredible conservation work. Uh, we leverage millions of dollars, namely our RMEF, or especially RMEF in, in the state of Colorado and in the West and, and elsewhere now, leverage millions of dollars and, um, uh, you know, to, to put money on the ground, really, to uh, for habitat for all wildlife, not just elk. Um, and we all do great work. Um, but I think that, you know, to, to kind of to your question and then to emphasize something that Dan laid out earlier, all of these groups, we don't really have the capacity to fight something like this on our own. And this is the biggest, baddest thing we've ever seen, not just in Colorado, but I would argue in the West because of its, um, you know, its, its um, origin in Colorado. Um, and so I think that um, it's imperative that all of the 501c3s and all of the people and organizations that do incredible conservation work to, to put elk on the ground and uh, you know, part of our mission is to protect our hunting heritage at RMEF. And so one of the things that I see RMEF becoming a, a lot more aggressive with, and it's out of necessity, unfortunately, but is to um, get more and more involved with advocacy. Uh, we see that with our um, government affairs guy at headquarters, Ryan Bronson, who has been on board for almost a couple of years now. Um, and so we're starting to see the value or the necessity of, of the fight. And the interesting part about, and so you ask what, what we can do, both institutionally as, as 501c3 organizations, um, but also as individual members. I think we have between 15 and 17,000 RMEF members in the state of Colorado and almost wow. a quarter million uh, nationally. Yeah. And, and so what can we do in this case? We need to all get behind um, how we can fight that ballot initiative. And, and I would argue as, a, as an RMEF volunteer um, that, that that one place, at least right now, is through Coloradans for, for Responsible Wildlife Management, which is a C4. Um, we have RMF, RMEF and many others, both institutionally and individually, have supported CRWM um, and their full-time lobbyists at the Capitol during legislative sessions, but also their fight at the, the commission level and, and many other places. And so, you know, in essence, this an issue like this, which is so big, big, bad, and ugly, and has so many implications, um, is really what CRWM was created for. And I would, I would really urge all RMEF members, all, you know, whatever organization you're a member of, whether it's BHA or RMEF or SCI or whoever, to to really give money for this fight. I think it's really going to be up to. Um, you know, the, the, the collective force that's behind um, 
and all of these collaborations which are coming t together to support CRWM, it's really going to be up to the funding. Because remember, you know, CRWM has hired um, legal counsel. We've hired a, a, a firm, and uh, and you know, it's it's going to they're going to sort out this whole process both legally, but also create messaging. Where does that messaging need to go? Because if RMS is going to put out uh, statements and such, or if SCI is, which they will most certainly do, where is it going? It's going to members who are already going to be voting no on this, more than likely. I hope so, anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, so what's going to happen is, um, you know, you're going to see a lot of lies, a lot of misleading information out there. But what you're not going to see, because remember, we're only like 5% of the population. What you're not going to see is, is the truth unless we create the money and fund this thing so that we can get the proper messaging to the proper people. And that's going to be done through CRWM and Dan Gates' group. Um, you know, a couple of things that I, I think are, are super interesting. In the 1960s, we had like 142 mountain lions in the state of Colorado. Today, we have between 5,000 or 4,000 and 7,000 adult mountain lions. That doesn't include their young. And why is that? It's, it's from protections. It's from, uh, you know, regulated hunting that we've imposed upon ourselves and all of the data and science that's gained from mountain lion hunting. How and, many and mountain you won't lions hear any of that stuff. How many mountain lions? 142, an, es an estimated 142 mountain lions in the 1960s. To today? Mm -hmm. Between five and 7,000 or four and 7,000. Um, and so, you know, you won't hear that kind of information pr from the proponents of the Bowden Initiative that, that, that want to ban mountain lion and bobcat and lynx hunting in the state. And um, it's, it's, you know, the meat is, is consumed and must be taken from the animal at the time of harvest. It has to be checked in. They sex the lion. They get data from the lion. That's they being CPW. All of this stuff is very important. And remember, the people that are going to be voting on this are not RMEF members or NWTF members or SCI members. They're not listeners of this radio show. They're probably, hopefully, going to be voting no. It's the people that we're going to be trying to reach um, are the people that, you know, live in Jefferson County, Arapahoe County, Denver County, Boulder County, really. I mean, this we can win this thing. And in that sense, I'm actually excited about this because after this fight, I'm not sure um, – you know, if we can't pull people together on this deal, I'm not sure what we could pull people together on. And all we need to do is win by 10 votes or 1% or half a percent. You know, it's doable, I think, especially in the context of what's been happening in the state, the overreach, um, you know, in the wake of amendment, uh, in the wake of uh, Prop 114, uh, which was so close. And, and, and so I think we're going to see CRWM lead this charge. I think we need to get behind Dan Gates' organization. Um, and I think we need to give money because it's, it's a beatable thing, but we need the right message and we need to be going to the right people. I don't know if that answered any of your questions. Well, yeah, it does. And, and so how do the 17,000 of us that are RMEF members in Colorado give to, give to CWRM? Well, I, I'll let Dan elaborate on that, but I know I've given a little money in the past on various things individually and then organizationally. I know RMEF has supported CRWM locally here in this state and other organizations as well. Um, uh, other organizations have supported CRWM, that is. Um, I, I know if you go to his website, and I'll let him elaborate on this, if you go to CRWM's website, you can donate on the page there. 
and you know if you if you can't um it's whatever you could give. If you can give up to $100,000, do it. If you can give $5, do it. But every single sportsman and woman woman in this state should be a part of this fight um, in one way or another, and that is one darn good way to start doing it. Well, for each one of those 17000 gave 25 bucks. What, 400, oh, yeah. 400 grand? <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. So it wouldn't take much. Dan, let me ask you this. When this first came out a few days ago, and again, I, I was out of town. I couldn't get you on last week. You and I were talking. And, and there are some organizations that put out some posts about this and some that we've mentioned here today on this show that are good groups, but they didn't have some of the facts straight in some of the posts. I want you to mention, again, I'm not after the organization. I just want everybody to hear the truth. So if some of the other fo- of our listeners maybe got some of those posts and read some of those, what would be a few things you would say you need to correct? I think the biggest thing that, that we would look at, Scott, is is um, this landscape uh, needs to be adaptive and we need to be nimble, but we also need to be able to understand the processes and procedures. And while some of the national groups that originally commented, commented on about public comment periods or where you can go to provide comment, or maybe you should go to the Capitol for this hearing. Some of those individuals within those organizations need to be a little bit better educated on the processes and procedures. I won't call anybody specifically, and I won't even call organizations out, but what I would say is that I think we're, I think we're collaborating and coalescing our message to the point to where they're utilizing CRWM and some of the other uh, coalition groups that we've got within the CWCP as a sounding board, as a messaging component, to where they get the most factual, up-to-date information that they can possibly get to be able to distribute that not only to their members, but, you know, somebody who's a member of one organization that knows somebody else isn't might send them that post. Well, it just magnifies to the point to where a significant amount of misinformation can be given out there. Mm -hmm. Same thing that just we had in Senate Bill 31 about a year and a half ago. I mean, there was a couple of organizations that said, that the sponsors of Senate Bill 31 on the Bobcat and Mountain Lion build pulled off. No need to go to the Capitol. They they stepped away. They're, they pulled their coattails and ran. And it's like, well, they did step off, but the bill is still going, and they're still running forward with it, and we still need people to show up. So I would say the biggest thing that we could do is make sure that we're having central points of contact for distribution of information to be able to decipher what is current and what is real and maybe maybe – you know, keep people in the loop as as real news as opposed to them trying to make up and go backwards and find out where there was a correction that needed to be done or if the information was even relevant to start with. Yep. Hey, i got to hit this last break. It's, it's a short one, but we'll be back with Dan Gates, Luke Weedle, Will Marquardt. You're listening to Sportsman of Colorado Radio. Hey, Dan. You know, our jobs are pretty different. I'm a baseball announcer. You're an attorney and a talk show host. Yeah, but we do have something in common. Really? What's that? Our favorite car dealer, Len Lyle Chevrolet. Yeah, definitely not your typical dealership. That's so true, Jack. No high-pressure sales tactics. They respect your time. And when you have two jobs, that's important. You know, I'd recommend Len Lyle Chevrolet to anyone. And with their low overhead, that means lower lower prices. prices. Yeah, we really do have something in common. Len Lyle Chevrolet. Go east and pay the least chevy find new roads hey scott watley here wanting to introduce my friends over at peak honda world they are colorado's number one honda power sports dealer for a reason they are knowledgeable friendly and when it comes to honda they know their stuff they're located in littleton and have everything you need to take your hunting season to the next level 
So if you're looking for a side-by-side -side with more space and power, go big with a two or four-seater Honda Pioneer. So go see my friends over at Peak Honda World in Littleton and tell them Scott Watley sent you. Honda recommends utility ATVs for riders 16 years and older and recommends that all ATV riders take a training course. This is KLZ 560 AM, your home station. Welcome back to Sports from Colorado Radio. My name is Scott Wally, Wilmore Court, filling the guest host chair. Dan Gates, Luke Weedle with us as well. We have been discussing this uh, prohibit trophy hunting ballot issue 91. And we'll, real quick before we get back to Dan and Will, uh, uh, Luke, what's happening at Davis Tent? Yeah, I think the, the key thing is we have hunting tents uh, available. So even if you're hunting first season here in Colorado, uh, starting next weekend, uh, you can come in on Monday, Tuesday, and grab a tent. I mean, they're going to start between six and eight hundred dollars, and obviously go up up from there. But uh, things are great. But we have tents in stock, and so come on in. All right, hey, let them know you heard them here on the show, and we'd appreciate it as well. So, Dan, I, I want to make sure I got about uh, six minutes here. I want to make sure. Look, first of all, let's tell how people can get money to you. First and foremost, Scott. Uh, they can look us up online at savethehuntcolorado.com. And uh, that's a place that they can go and start to get educated. And what we do uh, regularly, we will start putting updates on as to the process and procedures uh, that are going through the Colorado General Assembly, legislative title board side of things. Uh, but savethehuntcolorado.com. And uh, there's, a, there's a click button on there. There's a, if you want, you can also get the address off of the website where to send money if you'd rather do a check. Uh, if you don't have a credit card or you don't feel comfortable doing the credit card, I will say, and I'd like to make, make sure that people understand, that every dollar that comes into this organization goes to the education and advocacy and the representation on the landscape to stay here in Colorado. We don't turn around and do habitat projects. We don't do conservation components. Everything we do is the advocacy and education of hunting and fishing and as I said before, the mission is to promote, enhance, and defend the North American model of wildlife conservation and responsible wildlife management. Right. There's also an email address on there that they can turn around and email questions. Uh, if they'd like uh, to get involved in the campaign uh, as we move forward, I'm sure that we could find some task for them to participate in. Email us. We'll get in touch with you. Um, and we'd just like to, we'd like to make sure that we can come back and, and convey messages and updates through you guys, maybe not for this long of a period. We really, really appreciate the opportunity, but this is something that people need to be aware of. They need to talk about it over Christmas, the holidays, uh, New Year's. You need to prepare for it for next year, and this is this is going to affect us all when it comes to conservation, hunting and fishing, and wildlife management. Sure. And, you know, last few minutes here, but looking at social media as much as all of us do, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> It seems like every site we go to that has anything to do with hunting in Colorado, most of the anger is about what? I didn't get a tag, <laughs> right? Oh, <yeah. laughs> and you know what? Hey, I didn't get a couple either I wanted, but we need to start looking at that bigger picture, don't we? I think we need to start looking at the bigger picture, and we also need to make sure that the people understand that if we don't, try to promote and defend our hunting privileges they're not given god-given rights as far as the statute is allowed but as our as our privileges are 
it doesn't matter how much we don't get a license if there's nothing left on the landscape landscape or it's illegal to actually pursue it. Mm-hmm. And so there's a component and a responsibility of uh, acquiring a license and engaging in the in the traditions and the heritage, the time-honored traditions that we have to be able to defend it. And we're getting to a point now to where if we don't defend it, we won't have anything left to hunt, even if it's on the landscape, because they're going to take the right away or the privilege away. Yeah. And I'll let you or Luke, and uh, one of you can um, give it over to the other, whoever might want to answer this for the last two minutes. But wolf issue, we've been seeing where, hey, nobody wants to give us wolves. And then all of a sudden I, I saw somewhere where now, I forgot where it was, Oregon or somewhere? Or was Oregon. Oregon yep. said, you know, oh, we'll give you some. What, what's the latest on this? Luke, you want it? Dan, you can take it. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the, wolf, the, wolf, <laughs> the wolf plan was approved unanimously by the commission. Uh, the wolf plan that CPW was working on to satisfy uh, what basically happened as a result of um, um, uh, the ballot initiative in 2020. And so that plan, after tons of uh, influence and public process and influence from the governor's office, et cetera, was uh, approved unanimously by the uh, commission, the CPW commission, last spring. Um, and they are going to put wolves on the ground, um, you know, here pretty quickly in the next couple of months. And that'll be in phases. Uh, looks like it'll be in the northwest corner of the state. Um, you know, I, I don't know what else to say about that. I, I would say that uh, we need to pay attention to what happened with that and how close that was on, uh, from, uh, yeah. you know, how close it was with the state. I mean, those were like we almost won. tenths of a point, right? I mean, that wasn't... We almost, we almost yeah. won. Yeah. And, and so if you relate that to this and to tie it into uh, Initiative 91, which will be different on the ballot, but it will be on the ballot to ban mountain lions, bobcats, and lynx hunting of those species. Um you know, we have to pay attention and say, look how close we were here. And nobody was even thinking that we could win. And uh, and we were that close. And so so what could happen here? We can win this thing, this right. upcoming thing. But, uh, All right. Hey, check out SaveTheHuntColorado.com. And um, there's no more way to say it than just we've all got to get our head out of the sand here and get involved with this. And so we're going to try to keep you in, as, an, as um, involved as we can and getting the right message of really what's going on and how we can help uh, with guys like Dan Gates and Luke Weedle. So, guys, we appreciate your time very much today. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, appreciate it. And I would like to Thank say you. real quick, I'm set. I'm setting a uh, Davis ten up on Wednesday, so just make sure that you uh, go by <laughs> hey. and talk to Will. Okay. Or, or Will. like most people, Dan, give me a call if you have any problems. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I I set up a couple this week with my daughter, Will. All right. Way to go, Luke. Good deal. All right. Well, guys, thank you, guys. And, um, Will, appreciate you coming in, sir. Yeah, right on. Thanks so much. Hey, you need a tent? Get by and see Will at Davis Tent. And get by Peak Honda World right now. They're bad to the bone sales event through October 21st. And let them know you heard about them here on Sportsman of Colorado Radio. 5057 South Wadsworth, 303-569-8008, peakhondaworld.com. Thanks for being with us today for Sportsman of Colorado Radio. We appreciate it. Have a great rest of your weekend.
and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.